Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Ephesians chapter number 6. And uh, last week I kind of left you hanging here. Um, and uh, we're talking about these gospel shoes that the believer is supposed to be wearing. And uh, as we've been looking at this passage, we see that it's God's strength, it's God's armor that we're supposed to be using. We're not supposed to be using our own strength or our own armor. We're supposed to be using His. And this third piece of this armor is we are supposed to have on the shoes of the gospel of peace in order to stand. And as we looked at last week, um, we have these shoes um, so we can stand against the evil spiritual forces. And uh, it is the gospel that is under attack. And that's the reason why uh, we need the shoes. And uh, so as we looked at, we looked at uh, number one, we need the shoes to defend and stand. And uh, I gave you the idea that the, uh, the shoe that the Roman soldier would wear, it was like a sandal, and it had like cleats on the bottom of it, so that way he could stand uh, while in combat, and much like we as believers, we need gospel shoes, we need the gospel in our lives in order to stand against the evil schemes of the devil. Uh, Without the gospel, it's pretty hard to stand against uh, Satan and his foes. So we need shoes in order to defend and stand. And I I gave you the idea of what is the gospel. A lot of people have a lot of ideas of what they think the gospel is. But the gospel, again, is the fact that uh, we as human beings are corrupt. We are evil. It's not the fact that we do evil things. It's the fact that we are inherently evil inside of us. We are evil people. And uh, without the gospel, without Jesus Christ coming and taking our place on the cross, taking the punishment that we so righteously deserve from God, uh, we have no hope of eternal life. We have no hope of forgiveness of sins. Uh, We have no hope of peace with God uh, because we are evil people. And so we need the gospel. We need Christ in our life. And anything that is added to that message, that simple message that Jesus died for us, that Jesus took our place for us, he was buried, he rose again. Anything that is added to that, Jesus plus works, Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus church attendance, Jesus plus this, Jesus plus that, it's false. And uh, we have to stand against the attacks of the gospel. So I left you hanging here and I left you with this. How are we actually going to be putting on gospel shoes? How do we do that? Do we go to the closet and say, okay, I got to get on the gospel shoes this morning. And we look through our assortment of shoes and we say, hmm, I think this ought to be a good pair of shoes I can wear today. Um, The gospel is supposed to be primary in our life. So let's look here. Secondly, put your shoes on by knowing the gospel. So these gospel shoes, uh, we, we put them on by knowing the gospel. Let me give you a few points about this. Uh, number one, put on your shoes by knowing the gospel personally. This is so important. Um, 
This means that there was a time in your life that you repented of your sins and you believed by faith God would save you. You trusted in him and him alone for salvation. And so if you believe the gospel, that means that you've realized that there was some bad news about your life, about uh, what God says about you. Um, the Bible confronts and accuses all of us with the plain truth of Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That is bad news. And uh, so if you have never repented of your sin, the bad news is that uh, you are condemned guilty before God. It's not the fact that when you die, you'll be found guilty. It's you are already are guilty. Uh, there is no hope for you besides the gospel. And so you have to repent of your sin and believe in Christ. And so if you take sin and judgment, I believe, out of the gospel uh, in order to make the message more uh, friendlier or uh, not to offend people, then you really remove the need of having a savior, uh, because if we could get to heaven by just being good people or if we could get to heaven by uh, doing good things or acting nice, um, then we really don't need Jesus. But the truth is, is we're all evil. We're all bad. And so we need Jesus Christ. We need the gospel. Christ died to save us from sin and God's eternal judgment, which we deserve because we have sinned. Uh, we must repent of our sin and believe in Jesus Christ. Mark 1.15 summarizes Jesus' preaching of the gospel. And this is what Jesus had to say about the gospel when he was preaching. This is what he said. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, turn from your sins and turn to God. Rather than trying to run your own life or submit uh, to what you think you should be doing. Um, you should be submitting to Christ, should be submitting to the king of the universe, and you should believe the gospel. So the real crucial question is, have you repented of your sins and believed in the gospel? Uh, no doubt about it. I'm sure many of you have grown up in some type of church background here. Um, but just growing up in church background does not make you a Christian. It does not make you a follower of Jesus, much like sleeping in a garage makes me a car. Okay? You have to repent of your sins personally and believe the gospel. And God is the one that does all the saving work. Uh, he is the one that draws us unto himself. Uh, it's not the matter of saying, well, I'll just wait till I'm 99 years old, then I'll repent and believe the gospel. Uh, the, the Spirit is the one that draws us unto himself. Today is the day of salvation. You're not supposed to be uh, putting it off. So have you repented of your sins and believed in the gospel? Have you trusted in his death as the payment for your sins only? Um, and if you have not, if you've not done that, then the God of this world, Satan, is your God. That's whom you follow. That's whom you worship. That's whom you uh, want to follow and desire in your life. You follow Satan if you have not believed in the gospel. So you can't really put on the shoes of the gospel unless you have really 
believed in the gospel first and foremost. So you have to have personally added that to your life. Here's the second thing. If you have believed the gospel then, put on your shoes by preaching the gospel to yourself every single day. You see, I think this is where believers uh, really sometimes fall short of this because we believe that salvation is just that one-time thing. We've trusted in Christ and we're like, okay, great. I got my ticket punched. I'm on my way to heaven. Now I'm just going to do, going to try to live my own life the way I think I should live it. No, you need the gospel every single day of your life. The gospel is essential not only to your salvation, but it is essential to your godliness and your sanctification and the holiness that we are supposed to be growing in. We need the gospel every single day. The gospel is what we have to stand, live, and hope in. And I believe when we rehearse the gospel message that Jesus died for me, that I was corrupt, that I was evil without Christ, I am nothing. When we rehearse that every single day in our life, it does something for us. It changes us. This has helped me immensely in my own devotion to the Lord is by rehearsing the gospel message in my own life. Let me give you a couple ways that it helps you. There's many more, but this is, this is just a few that I jotted down. Number one, it increases my love for God and for others. When we rehearse the gospel message in our hearts, it increases my love for God and for others. Why? Well, because the gospel focuses us on God's great love for us and of the infinite price that he paid to redeem us from our sins. Uh, if you can re recall with me in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 4 and 5, Paul made mention of this. He said, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I believe when we meditate on that, meditate on that often, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, that, that means that you were not a friend of God, you were an enemy of God, you were rebelling against God, and even in your sin, God loved you. When we reflect on that, uh, it will fill our hearts with love for him. And we love because he first loved us. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Romans chapter 8, 35 through 39, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor heavenly rulers nor things that are present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so when we meditate on the gospel, when we rehearse the gospel, it does something in our hearts. 
It causes us to reflect on the love of God that he has for us. And it increases my love for him. And it increases my love for others. Secondly, it gives me a passion for those who don't know Christ. When we rehearse the gospel in our hearts, it gives me a passion for those who do not know Christ. Paul goes through the gospel in, in Romans uh, chapter 3 through uh, Romans chapter 8. And he kind of reaches this crescendo of the gospel message on the end of, of chapter 8. And Paul basically gives us the idea that because of God's unfailing love for us, that enables us to endure all the trials um, Paul's next words are heartfelt words as he pours out his heart towards those people that do not know Christ. Let me read them to you. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. I'm telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. For my conscience assures me in the Holy Spirit I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, my fellow countrymen. In other words, Paul says, I am so moved by the gospel of what it is. And when I remember how God's unfailing love is at work in my life, I look at the people that are without Christ. And he says, I wish that I could myself go to hell for them so that they might come to know Christ if it were possible. Do we have such love for the lost that do not know Christ? Do we not care for them? Paul says, because of the gospel, he says, when I rehearse this, it causes me to have passion in my heart for the lost, that they need Christ. And he says that he cares about them. So rehearsing the gospel to your own soul burdens you with the condition of those who need to hear about Jesus Christ. Thirdly, when we rehearse the gospel, it helps you forgive and give grace to others when we think they don't deserve it. When we rehearse the gospel message in our heart, it does something for us. So much can be said here about how the gospel helps us forgive. Ephesians uh, 4.32, if you can remember here what uh, Paul said. Um, he says, be kind to one another. This is, this is actually living the gospel out. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Think of it like this. God has completely wiped your slate clean. Everything. Every evil thought, every evil deed, every idle word. He has completely wiped it clean. It's been paid for. It's been forgiven. All the things that you deserve to be paid back for have been cleared away because God has forgiven you. And I believe we ought to own that own statement to ourselves. 
And we ought to look at it when we, when we, in, when we are living with, with other people uh, within the church body. We get close to people. We're going to hurt each other. So how do, we, how do we navigate those relationships? How do we work through that? You forgive. You grant grace. Even when you think they don't deserve it. Because even just with one sin would condemn us to hell for all of eternity. And I can't tell you how many times I've sinned against God. Over and over and over and over and over. But he's forgiven us of all our sin. And so when we rehearse the gospel, it helps us learning how to forgive. Um, remember this, no matter what anyone does to you, you'll never have to forgive any other person more than God has already forgiven you. And some of the things that we hold grudges against are petty, petty, petty things. And God has forgiven us a huge amount. And so it helps us to forgive. Number four, it helps me humble my pride. Uh, Christy gave me a little book on, on humility by uh, Andrew Murray. And I encourage you to read it if, if you can get your hands on a copy. It's just a little small little book. Um, but in that book, it talks about humility and how important it is for the Christian to be walking in humility, living in humility, uh, living a life of humility. And really, humility is the opposite of what? Pride. Um, pride leads me to think that I sometimes know better than God. Pride is at the very root of every sin. Because we think, I want to do this. Um, pride leads me to be selfish and disregard the feelings of others. Um, but I believe humility comes when we reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ died for us. He didn't die for righteous people. He didn't even die for good people. Uh, Romans uh, 5 teaches us, it says, but God commends his love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so when I reflect on that, when I remember that I'm not righteous, I'm not even good, but God died for me as a sinner, it really helps me humble my pride. And so when I remember the gravity of my sins and the crucifixion of God's own son on the cross, uh, as he took my place on the cross, it's going to help me put things into perspective that it's not all about me. It's about him. It's about his glory. God saved us for his own glory. To be trophies of grace. And that's what he does. First uh, Corinthians one twenty nine says, "So that no man may boast before God." So Christ saved us so that we wouldn't be boastful. Um, he saved us so that we would give Him the glory. Number five, it helps me glorify God in all things, even trials. Boy, this is a difficult one. 
When I reflect on the cross, when I reflect on the gospel and what Jesus did, how he saved me, it will help me go through difficult times in my life, even all the trials, all the hardships. Now you have to remember, first century Christianity, uh, they were having their property taken away, some of them being thrown in prison, some of them being uh, put on poles doused with oil and lighted, uh, thrown to wild beasts sewed up in animal skins. That's a trial. That's a difficulty. Okay? But we, there's, some, there's a principle that we can learn from all this is that in the hardships of life, in the difficulties of life, rehearsing the gospel in our hearts can help us. It can enable us to make it through, to persevere through the difficult times. And remember, all of this, we are, we are fighting a spiritual battle. And, and if we're not prepared, if we don't have on our gospel shoes, if we decide one day, well, you know what, I'm going to wear the fuzzy slippers, you're not going to be able to stand. I want to be comfortable in life want to take ease and make it through. But Paul says you got to put on the military shoes. you got to put on the gospel shoes in order to stand. So if we're not prepared, we're going to be taken back by the difficulties that life throws at us. Remember back in Ephesians 1, let's, let's just turn over there real quick. Ephesians 1, I want to show you some of these verses here and see how this all fits together in glorifying God in all things, even in our trials. Um, do you remember why God saved us? Ephesians 1, uh, verses 4 through 6. Notice what he says. Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestinated us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So why did he save us, Paul? Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Look at verse number 12, uh, Ephesians 1. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Look at Ephesians 1.14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when we take pleasure in the gospel, what it is, how God has saved us, what he's doing to make us more like Jesus Christ through trials and difficulties, um, it helps us rejoice. It helps us look at the circumstance not as a, oh man, I'm never going to be able to make it through this, but more of, wow, thank you God for bringing this into my life so I can become more like your son, Jesus Christ. There's a difference in perspective. Turn over to Romans 5 real quick. Romans 5. Look what Paul writes here about having peace with God and how the gospel uh, helps us glorify him. 
Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And notice, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, he says, not only are we rejoicing in the peace that we have with God because he saved us, but look what he says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Here's the gospel. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so Paul says we can rejoice because of the gospel. It puts things in perspective for us because knowing that that trial, that difficulty, it's producing hope. It's producing some faith in our life. It's helping us become more and more like his son, Jesus. Flip over to Romans 8. Paul picks this back up again. Romans 8. Look at verse 28. We love to quote this verse. Most of us know this verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. But he continues. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestinated, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. <laughs> what should we say to these things? God has done a miraculous saving work in your life. What should we say to that? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he goes on to list all the things that could come against you as a believer in Christ. And he says, we're more than conquerors through all these things. Why? Because we got our gospel shoes on. Because we put it into perspective that God brings difficulties and he brings trials and he brings hardships in our life because he's conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And if you don't have these shoes on, you're not going to be able to stand. You're going to look at your life and you're going to say, what's going on? Why is all this happening to me? Does God even care? Yes, he does care. He cares more than you will ever know. And he loves you. And he's doing it for a purpose. And so it helps me to glorify God in all things. Here's the last thing. Number three. Put your shoes on by using the gospel of peace. Put your shoes on by using the gospel of peace. What's interesting about this text, because look what he says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Why didn't he just say the readiness of the gospel? Why does he say the readiness of the gospel of peace? 
What's interesting here about this text here is how he says that we defend um, is not only through the gospel, but it's the gospel of peace. Why would Paul call it the gospel of peace? Um, much more, when you, when you think about what he's describing here, um, he says we are to go to war with peace. Does that make sense? Do you go to war with peace? Paul says we do. And it's through the gospel of peace. So what is this gospel of peace? Well, if you recall back with me in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, Paul reminds us here about the peace that the gospel brings. And remember how he was describing how Jew and Gentile, two hostile groups, have come together as one? Remember that? Remember how they came together because of Jesus Christ, what he's done? He says they've been brought together now. And Paul reminds us about this peace that the gospel brings. And so he mentions two things here. First of all, he brings us peace with God. So the gospel brings us peace with God. Uh, in Ephesians 2.12, it says, Having no hope and without God in the world, we were alienated from God because of our sins. We were separate from Christ. But as Paul goes on to say here in Ephesians 2, it's the cross of Christ that preached peace to us and reconciled us to God so that now we have access to him. And you cannot fight the evil one. You cannot fight against Satan and his foes unless your heart has been reconciled to him through the blood of Christ. We have to have peace. But he says here, secondly, the gospel brings us peace with one another. Uh, Ephesians 2.14, it says, Christ himself is our peace. He brought together that Jew and that Gentile. He reconciled them both in one body to God through the cross in Ephesians 2.16. The battle, uh, the battle that we have with Satan is not just necessarily individual. I believe it's corporate. You know what Satan would love to do in a body of believers like this? Ransack it, destroy it, make it into nothing. You know how he does that? He doesn't just come in through the front door and kick the door down and say, Hi, here I am, ready to ruin your life. You know what he does? He starts going to believer to believer. And he starts, and he starts sowing, sowing discord from believer to believer to believer to believer. And before you know it, the church is all against each other. How do we fight against that? We got to have our gospel shoes on. We got to realize here's Jew and Gentile that have come together as one with peace. And he did that through the cross. That means that God is able to take people from different backgrounds who may not agree with one another, and he brings them into unity 
Not because you're saying, oh, I believe everything you have to say about the subject and you're right 100% of the time. No. He brings us to unity on essentials of the gospel. When we decide to start bringing division among each other because of non-essentials, that's when Satan starts to divide. Because we start thinking that our viewpoint is more important than another person's viewpoint. And the Bible tells us here that we need to have peace with one another. And so Satan is trying to destroy the church and he creates division and strife over personality clashes. He does it over non-essential doctrinal fights. So we ought to be alert to Satan's schemes. Remember, that's what it told us, to be alert to this. Know that you're going into battle. You got to have the right shoes on. Don't give up in all of that. So it's real important for us to do that. So how do, we, how do we battle against that kind of stuff? Well, Paul told us here at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that's how we work through disagreements, work through sometimes personality clashes. We bear with one another in love. Why? Because the gospel commands us to. The gospel has saved us and it brought us into unity with God. So put your shoes on this week. Get out those rugged shoes because you're going to go to battle. Don't leave them hanging in the closet somewhere, okay? Put your shoes on this week. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.